looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. I'm all excited about that, but the real joy isn't only in the work of Christ. The real joy is found in Christ. And when Christ is inside of me, this is what really gets cool, is that no matter what I go through, I can still have his joy because it's Christ in me, and he is in me because of what he did for me on the cross and what I did because of that, trusted in him, I now can have joy. What would be really fascinating for some of you would be to read how many times Paul prayed that he would be delivered from all of his problems. Very rarely. Did he ever pray that he'd sell more tents? Did he ever pray that uh, he'd... uh, um, have a better relationship, so to speak, with someone? No. What he did do is he said, out of all of my afflictions, the Lord delivered me. He also said this. He says, Christ in me, the joy that I have. And he wrote a whole book on that, Philippians, the joy book. And when I look at his life, I'm saying, what could give this man that was so beat up and spit out so many times the, the, uh, the, the motivation, which is that's too, too small of a word for me. I want to say more of the thrust, the excitement, the, the go-getting that Paul had. To go do it again, to be beat up because he loved the gospel, the death and resurrection of Christ, and the joy that he had. So here's what I'd like to submit to you. This may be a very painful Christmas for you. At this funeral yesterday with this 32-year-old, I reminded the people here, I said, this Christmas will tarnish the rest of this family's Christmas when they think about their brother dying in On Christmas Day, there will be the empty chair. On this guy's birthday, the empty chair. I said, the only joy that you have in all of that loss is when you have Jesus Christ inside of you that says that you could see this person again if you trust Christ as your Savior. And so maybe for you right now, you're going to have an empty chair around your home, a loved one. Maybe this year's Christmas is going to be more painful because of it just being a worse year for you than it was last year. But remember this. If you want, um, if you think getting rid of all this pain is going to bring you joy, biblically it won't. It might bring you more happiness because happiness comes from happy happenings. But joy is something that you have in the midst of no happy happenings. You have the sense of settled peace that God is large and in charge and he is sovereign in your life. Now remember, where did that come from? It came from Christ. Why can it come alive in you is because of what he did for us on the cross. And he couldn't die if he didn't have a life. didn't have a life, he didn't have a birth. So the birth is connected to a life, to the death, to the resurrection, to the ascension, and that he now lives inside of us. So folks, I want you to have joy. It's found in Christ. And you can have the fullness of joy no matter how hellacious this Christmas or 2018 and the years after that will be for you. Someone, uh, I, I was sharing this with a dear friend this morning. Um, I really don't get discouraged. I mean, you, you don't think everything's going okay for standing care. We got our issues, not, not maritally, but in our lives as everybody else. And I think sometimes the Lord dumps a lot more on pastors so, you, so we can go through it, hopefully biblically, Christ-like, so that you can see that it can be done, so we become a little bit of a model, and, and what we say works, all that kind of stuff. But we, we go through all of that. Watch what I'm about to say. So I really don't get discouraged. Do I get disappointed? 
Yeah, I do. Do I grieve and weep when I see things happen? And yeah, I, I, I don't follow my Christ or not, but, but usually those things are born, problems are born because of sin. So there is that. But I don't get discouraged. And that's not because I'm great. It's because I have a greater God inside of me in the person of Christ. So he says, fear not. I bring you glad tidings of great joy. I want to give this to you for some of you that are saying, I heard all of this stuff before. This you might not have heard. That phrase, good news, is euangelize. That's coming from a word that means euangelio, which also refers to the evangel. So the good news and the evangel, Christ, are all kind of together in the Greek. And a little bit further than that, it also means to preach that message of the good news, the death and resurrection of Christ, of Christ. So it's all giving this out. And that phrase, glad tidings, good news, is one of the most favorite phrases of Luke, who God had write the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And when you look at that, the word in the Greek and you take it through the entire New Testament, you're going to find that Luke used it more than anyone else, even more than Paul. It was a favorite term of his. And I guess I'm in good company if when you hear, you understand, all he does is give the gospel. Well, that's not always true. But what is true is I do give the gospel because I have that joy. And so as you face Christmas, I don't care who your neighbors are, what fellowships you go to, how many dinners you go to, how many Christmas cards you send out, any personal letters that you do, somehow bring them all back that it's more than the birth of Jesus that we're celebrating. It's the gospel of Jesus. So again, number three, the gospel is good news because it's for all people. I like that phrase, the gospel is for all people, because it says, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be the good news, the great joy, will be for all people. Circle the word all people. Haggai, however you want to pronounce his name, the Old Testament prophet, calls Christ the desire of all nations. Why? Because all nations need Christ. So let me talk to the missionaries that are here, those of you that are thinking about being a missionary. This verse right here would be somewhat of my marching order to be involved in global message taking, taking the message of the gospel, because here he's saying to these little stinky shepherds, and he's saying, don't be afraid. The good news is of great joy that's supposed to be for everybody. And so he now says, take this message, this glad tidings of Jesus, who will then die and rise again, the gospel. He says, it's for everybody all over the world. And let's remember in John 3.16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, and I believe that whoever is whatever kind of person you are, if you believe in him, not behave, not believe and behave, but just believe in him, you won't perish but have everlasting life. But it's the world that God loved the world. So he told these shepherds, this great tiding is not just for you shepherds. It's not for the Jewish nation. I'll talk about that in a second too. But it went beyond the Jewish nation all of the world. And you know why we should be excited? How many of you are not Jewish ethnically? Would you raise your hand? Aren't you glad that it's also for us? So he had us in his mind to speak through this angel to those shepherds at that time. That's to be for everybody. Now, if it is, and I engage that message, and I own that message of the gospel because it's found in Christ, then I owned the responsibility to take that message that was supposed to be for everybody else I need to then take that message to them. 
So here's my challenge to all of you, or maybe challenge too strong a word, but a, a thought for you. How, how personally involved are you in global gospel giving? Okay, we go to church, we give our money, they give almost 20% or 20% to missions, so I, I kind of, I do my part, they do their part, so some of what I give goes to missions. Well, praise the Lord, at least you're giving, and a portion of that, 20% of whatever you give, is going to go to missions. I love you when I'm saying this. Is that the most you can do? Let's go a little bit further. When I give money, then I don't have to touch the lost people. I have someone else that I hired to go do that. So for me, I can still sit in my ivory palace and enjoy my life because that gospel that's supposed to be for all people, I have now soothed my conscience because I'm doing something, but I'm letting others live on the front lines with it. See, now you won't have me back next week because that's really where the rubber beats the road. So tonight when we go out Christmas caroling, I'm so excited that we're going to do this. I don't know how many people we're going to touch tonight, maybe nobody, but I do know this. I don't want to just sing Christmas carols to them. I don't want to just do the religious thing that lost people can do. I want to do more than just pass out flyers of the church, which we will, beautifully done. Some of you have seen them. They're gorgeous because I want them to come to hear the message. But even that's not enough because coming to church doesn't mean they're going to get saved. What I want to do is couple with every person we see tonight a gospel track. Why? Because we don't know we're going to do this next year. Worse than that, those people might die. I want to make sure they get a gospel track. Will they be saved if we put a gospel track in their hand? No, but we're closer to it than if we just sang carols. Do you agree with that? So if we want to really grow our church, we have to grow our church by showing our community how much we love them. And yeah, we want to feed them, we want to take care of them, we want to put clothes on them, give them backpacks if their kids don't have it. I want to do all of that. But I don't want to make Orlando a better place to go to hell from. I I want to reach them for Christ because I can do all of that, but if I don't tell them the greatest news, which is the gospel, I haven't really done anything for them. And so it's to be to all people. Well, here's what I want you to do in your quiet time. Ask the Lord, what could you begin doing now more than you've done in the past globally for heaven's sake? And I'm going to ask the Lord the same. I'm going to ask the Lord if I could go to another country for a while and give the privilege of training up people to do it, passing out gospel literature in their land, in their language, doing something more than what we're doing now. Not that we're not doing anything. I said something more than what we're doing now. Because this good news is for everyone. Let's go to my next point, number four. Not a lot of points, but as I look at this, it's all about the good news. I bring you glad tidings. Okay, it talks about what that glad tiding can do for everybody, but then it also talks about who it is. But here's number four. This is a beautiful part of it. The gospel is good news because it emphasizes the individual. You know, sometimes um, these evangelists, they're really good at standing on a stage with huge, huge screens with tremendous amount of cameras and tremendous speaker systems And they bring all these people into a a big arena to give the gospel. And I applaud them for doing that. I I would love to do it myself. The bigger the crowd, the better for me. I just want to reach as many as I can. However, but when we leave that crowd and then we get back into our cab, go to our place of sleeping, how many evangelists will actually engage that cab driver for Christ and those that are around? So for me and for us, we want to engage globally 
But in this case, we also want to do it locally. You see, I, I, I can't engage one-on-one so much a person in the other part of the world. I, I can do it through social media. You know that. But, but actually, nose-to-nose, eyeball-to-eyeball, I can't do that unless they're right here. So I want to make sure that for me that I'm going to be concerned about everybody hearing the message. That's why I'm training students at Florida Bible College. That's why we want them to have a global vision, okay? But at the same time, I want to make sure that they are leading people to Christ right where they are. I spoke that to our faculty. What we want in our students, we need to be doing it ourselves. If we have a college to train them to take the gospel everywhere, then we as faculty members need to be on the front line of doing it ourselves rather than hiding behind a screen or a classroom podium. We need to do that. And I say that for all of us. Look at the verse. It says, there has been born for you, singular, for you. So while they're giving this message to the shepherds about what's happening and not to be afraid and it's good news for everybody, I love what the angel is now giving to us, and it's recorded by Luke here. It's been born for you. So let me speak to you that are listening. You're hearing a message that predominantly is to Christians to take to unsaved people. But you may be one of the groups that is not saved. And so this message right now is for you. Here's a question. If you were to die today and you stood before God and God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? How would you answer him? If you give him any other answer other than as close to what I'm about to tell you, then you're not going to heaven. The answer ought to be, because I trusted Christ as Savior. A week ago, my family came in. You saw them last Sunday. The weird thing was is that we were supposed to go to dinner on Friday night, and we all had the reservations. Everybody's going. This is our big once-a-year family dinner besides what Carol cooks at the house. And uh, the night before, someone was working in our side of our house, and they were digging, and they chopped the cable that goes to our house. I didn't know that, you know. I they chopped it, and so busy, I didn't get on the Internet and don't, don't watch a whole lot of TV. And so I went in the next morning. I, I turned on my machine to do all my emails early before I headed out. And when I did, nothing lit up. So I'm looking all around. Nothing, nothing's working. So, of course, I called a cable company. And the cable company says, um, you don't have any problems with your system. You have a problem with your cable. And I said, I bet I know what happened. I had someone digging in the backyard, and they chopped the cable and cut the lifeblood to the family. <laughs> you know, anyway, back to this. So I said, okay, um, what can we do about it? So they talked about sending a guy out. He finally comes out, and he said, yep, your cable is, is chopped. And he said this. He said, um, this is, um, I have to put in a whole new cable. I said, no, no problem. So now he's trying to get this thing up. He put in a new cable. Nothing's working. The DVR is not working, nothing, but the cable is there. What happened is the new cable came in, lit it all up, blew out everything that we had. So now this night, and he said, I'll, I'll fix it for you, I'll fix it for you. Now the family's already gone to dinner, and they went to a restaurant that I really enjoy going to because I like the food and want to be with the family, and now I'm sitting there in a home trying to get this thing going. And so um, I'm sitting there, and he's so, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. He's calling the boss. I got the wrong thing here, it's not really working. This guy's so patient, blah, 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 and he goes through it all. And finally, at the end of the evening, I almost missed dinner, I, I, um, I walked him out to the truck, And I said, you know, I know you're more frustrated, I think, than I am that you can't get this thing going. But I want you to know it's okay because we could all be living in Afghanistan or Puerto Rico. I said, it's just cable. It's it's just cable. Don't worry about this thing. And I said, here's what you really need to be concerned about, if you're going to go to heaven or not. And it's only by faith in Jesus Christ. Would you mind if I shared with you the simple little way that you can seal the deal with God? He says, no. He said, I already know that. 
I trusted Christ as my Savior years ago. He's a Haitian. Been here 10 years. He says, I know I'm going to heaven. And he's the only way. And you don't have to be good to get to heaven. You just have to trust Christ. I said, man, he could be a preacher. Now, why am I telling you all about that? It's one-on-one evangelism that you do with people. And I pray that we do that. Each person, contact his opportunity as much as you can. Now, sometimes you can't. You can't corner someone in an elevator. You can't stop everybody in line at Christmas time to talk to the cashier. I get that. Probably can't do it on your job. But don't let Satan use all those reasons why you can't to then think that you can't do it anywhere. There's a lot of other places you can. I've given you two illustrations here from Scripture. One time Jesus comes alongside a Jewish ruler, a Jewish leader, and he gives him the gospel. Wisely he did it at night privately so that he could have that conversation, but he still did it to this great guy, a guy. Think about a guy, Jewish leader, talking about Jesus, salvation, being born again, the whole context. Then he talks to a woman over here. She wasn't Jewish. She wasn't really a Gentile. She was kind of a mixed breed, low class because of her background, and she's a woman. Now, the woman part isn't the bad part. That's probably the good part, and I'll explain that in a moment. But the bad part is she had all this other baggage, and so she had to go get her water later in the day, and Jesus engages her with the message of salvation. So as I step back over this, here's what I'm looking at. Jesus, who now is the one talking about, the the, the angels are talking about, he's going to go to the cross, die for the world. He's all this global in mind. He's teaching his disciples all of this, so they would go into all the world and do all of this. But he never forgets the individuals. Concern for the masses, but remembers the individuals. And then he doesn't qualify the individuals. He goes to a guy, he goes to a woman, he goes to a religious leader, he goes to one who's not religious, he goes to one that's high class, probably had some money, a lot of connections, so he had to do it privately or people wouldn't put him down and just focus on that. And to a woman over here that was just an outcast. And I think he preached his two best sermons to those people. That's my opinion. And so I want to remember the masses but don't forget the individuals. Number five, the gospel is good news because it saves. Now, I'm going to spend more time on this next week because I'm hoping that you folks will really fill this auditorium with with lost people because I want them to know about the Savior. But I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory for those of you that have a little bit of back knowledge. It says, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the question now for tonight or today is, What does it mean, Savior? He's the Savior because He saves us from our sin. So mark that down. He saves us from our sin. Interesting how the angel says, She'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so I'm saved from sin. That means I can have a victorious Christian life. Uh, Carol liked that so much, she took that phrase and, and began a woman's ministry with it called WAVE, Women Achieving Victory Every Day. All right, And the idea was to let them know that Jesus gives you the power over sin, paid the penalty over sin, and you'll be delivered from the presence of sin, past, present, and future, because Jesus is your Savior, not your works, your religiosity. It's only Christ. Number two, He is the Savior from ourself. Because I think sometimes we ourselves are our worst enemy because we choose not to go to the Lord and yield so we can have daily victory over sin. We don't choose to... to ourselves to see the world through his eyes. We want to look through our eyes, and it just kind of confounds us. So really, he's the Savior from ourself. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ, Jesus has set, I love this, you, that's us, the whole part of us, free from the law, the enslavement of sin that so takes over in our life, and of course, death. Number three, he's the Savior from Satan. 
I, I, I love that. That doesn't mean Satan won't tempt me every day. It won't, doesn't mean the Lord won't allow Satan to do this every day. But the Lord also says, no matter what Satan tries to do in the temptation, I will always give you a way out. I'll give you the power to not submit to him that you have the power to live a victorious Christian life. The one thing that he does let us know is that we will never be sinless, but we can have the power to sin less. Did you catch that? Okay. And that's the beauty of all of that. And Satan's the dirty bird that's out there. You have time for one little quick story. Carol and I were invited to a couple's house, or very elderly, years ago in California, Chino Hills. And while we were there, we're eating, and, and I... I always get off on a biblical thing, and I'm, I'm talking about the Lord, and, and we're talking about how that God loves us, Satan is a dirty bird, and, 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 and just love the Lord and give the gospel, and I don't know what got me off on this thing. I just, it just goes that way. And so Carol's kicking me under the table, and I'm thinking, oh, she want, I'm, I'm going too far. She thinks I'm going to take an offering or something. I don't know. So she's, i got to calm down on this thing. Well, now we get out into the car, and she says, do you know what you said? You know, my wife is the fourth person of the Trinity. And I'm saying, do I really want to know? But I guess I'm going to hear it anyway. She says, yes, you call Satan a dirty bird. Do you remember these people? I said, yeah. What's their names? Jack and Barbie Bird. <laughs> this is a true story. Now, the good news, we still have that to joke about today. But apart from that little anecdote, I do want you to know our real enemy is not people, it's Satan. And our real enemy is ourself because we sometimes think people are our enemy when it's Satan. And we do all of that because sin is so powerful until we submit and surrender as a Christian to Christ. Listen carefully. You have none of that going for you if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior. So the good news is that we are saved from that sin. He is the Savior so we can live a victorious Christian life. And um, like a great Bible teacher, Charles Ryrie, he said, our Christian life, we're going to have good days, bad days, good days, bad days. And... We ought to have more good days than bad days. And in our progressive sanctification, our, our progressive realizing that we're separated for a purpose for the Lord, we begin to keep moving forward in growth that we will sin less, even though we'll never be sinless. So the gospel is good news because... Number six. The gospel is good news because it glorifies God. Back in the passage again. The angels say all of this, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and then they just explode in what I might call a heavenly doxology. Glory to God in the highest. And again, they only knew of, of God being glorified, glorious, and, and they could see that, but they could never experience how glorious he could be in the Saviorship of who Christ is. And then it says here how this is to... Bring glory to God in the highest. So let me make a little bit of thought. If this is good news, he's talking all about the gospel, the good news, Christ coming for everybody, for you in particular, gives you joy, gives you victory over sin, saves you from your sin, separated you from the Lord, forgave you of all that sin. What makes this so glorious? It's the gospel. So, my dear friends, I want you to know that I, I love preaching the whole counsel of God. You, you can tell that. I, I hope you can. It's, it's who I am. But here's what I can say. I don't know if anything gives me greater joy than for me to be able to share the gospel with someone who's lost. I do not want to elevate the gospel truth above other truths because all truth like this is God's truth. But I would like to prioritize it this way. All the great stuff that I could teach the person 
about God and how important the whole teaching, the whole counsel of God is, it's practically meaningless on someone who hasn't trusted Christ as Savior because they do not have the power to understand this or know spiritual matters. And so if I really want them to know the whole counsel of God, which I really do because that's given me a breath that I'll never be able to get as far wide or the depth that I'll never go plummet its depths enough to know God, even with all of that, I have none of that unless I trust Christ as my Savior, who now He comes inside of me, He gives me the ability to know and understand Scripture and can guide me into all truth like this. So everything begins at the gospel. Let me say this. People say, well, you give the gospel. You know, We want to go deeper. In many ways, you can't go any deeper than the gospel until you own the gospel. Jesus is your Savior who died and rose again as the Lord God Almighty. The rest of the stuff is great stuff, and you might be able to intellectualize some of that, hopefully put some of it together, but fully grasp the depth of its meaning. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.